the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure. My pleasure. Today is Tuesday, August the 18th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on August 18, 1920, the 19th Amendment to the Constitution, it guaranteed all American women's right to vote, was ratified as Tennessee became the 36th state to approve it. Interesting enough, the backstory. President Trump has announced this morning that he's going to pardon Susan B. Anthony. Now, she's been dead for a long time, but he's going to pardon her. She was arrested in 1872 because she was advocating that women should be able to vote. President Trump said that he will pardon Susan B. Anthony, the leader of the women's suffrage movement, who was arrested for violating male-only voting laws in 1872. The pardon comes 100 years to the day after the 19th Amendment, which ensured women's right to vote, was ratified. I think that was a pretty smart move politically myself. He announced that this morning. Today in 1587, Virginia Dare, she became the first child of English parents to be born in present-day America or the United States on what is now Roanoke Island in North Carolina. However, Roanoke Island, the colony, ended mysteriously disappearing. This was 1587 when Virginia Dare was born. In 1590, three years later, John White, he was the leader of the 117 colonists who lived there on the island. He returned. He'd been on a trip to England business trip on behalf of the colony. He was their leader. He returned and he found the settlement deserted and there was no trace nor ever, nor has there ever been a trace found of the settlers who lived there. Interesting. Today in 1914, President Woodrow Wilson issued his proclamation of neutrality. It was aimed at keeping the United States out of World War One. Today, in 1939, the film Wizard of Oz opened in New York. Today, in 1963, James Meredith became the first black student to graduate from the University of Mississippi. And today, in 1969, the Woodstock Music and Art Fair in Bethel, New York, came to an end. It kind of wound down, as they say, after three days and three nights. Jimi Hendrix, a guy that's honored by the late Paul Allen's music um, museum in Seattle. He sort of finished off the concert, and I think that was probably fitting for what the concert had been all about. Woodstock became probably the visual expression of the sexual revolution that started in the 1960s. Many of us remember that. I remember it. We'd never seen, at least I hadn't seen or heard of anything like it in 1969. But it wound up today, 1969. But the result of the sexual revolution continues today. 
it is upon us. The Bible says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. I don't know about you, but when things get a little tense, panic kind of sets in, regardless of the circumstances, we live in those kinds of times today. Sometimes I tend to just want to do something. I need to do it. Waiting is one of the hardest things for, I think, of all human experience. We just don't want to wait. We want to, oh, there are some people who just procrastinate, but I'm not talking about that. We want to do something. We want to make something happen. And yet, in some of the most perilous times, God is calling us to be, in good, be of good courage. It takes courage to wait. But God will strengthen your heart if you'll wait on the Lord. Well, a day before the Democratic Convention kicked off last night across America, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, he's a Democrat. He's the event co-chair, in fact, of the whole event. He said it's time for unity that the party, he says, has to, and I'm quoting him, put the us versus them in the rearview mirror. Well, most of the high-profile speakers during the convention last night apparently didn't agree with the co-chair of their own convention. They had other ideas. They took the opportunity to bash Trump in a million ways. I didn't watch all of it. I watched part of the hour that was on. I read pretty much all of the transcripts of everybody who spoke later. One of the five words that Michelle Obama said last night in her speech was very interesting. She talked about Trump. She wailed on Trump, which I guess is uncharacteristic for her. Someone said that she normally is more veiled. She wasn't veiled last night, I can tell you for sure. But she she talked she talked about Trump. She excoriated him in in a dozen different ways. But yet <laughs> she finally then just took a kind of a sigh. She went, It is what it is. Those words, those five words, it is what it is, have become headlines across the country today. People are saying Newspapers are saying in their headline, it is what it is. And one headline I saw, and others I'm sure use this as well, they all copy each other in the newspapers. It said, quote, it is what it is. Then a little dash, and it says, the five-word epitaph of Trump's presidency. She talked about kids in cages. Interestingly enough, the cages that she was talking about honestly, were built by her husband's administration. They have tried to tag and connect those cages that they hold kids in down on the border on Trump ever since, ever since he was elected. They were there and in use when he came into office. But it doesn't matter. The end justifies the means. It doesn't matter what you say, whether it's truth or not. It's a matter of the effect. If you can accomplish something, if you can make progress, as they say, that's what's important. Michelle Obama's speech was taped weeks ago. It wasn't live. Bernie was live. Michelle Obama wasn't. Some of her comments were already outdated. 
It was meant to be uplifting, I think, but it was depressing. It felt like a dark night with no hope. I watched it. Every speech was focused on beating Trump. Hatred hatred doesn't unite political movements. It ultimately divides them, just like it divides an individual. An individual becomes duplicitous. An individual becomes a double-minded, unstable person. The person who gives himself over to hatred. And yet this movement, the Democrat Party and the progressives in this nation today, so-called progressives, are trying to unite around a single cause, and that is to hate Trump. They are. It's amazing. I don't, I don't know what kind of an existence that would be, but it's dark, and it comes across when these people speak. Hatred does not unite political movements. It does not unite people. It ultimately divides us. The Democrats seem to believe that everyone in America shares their hate for the president and that if they can hate enough, it'll bring everybody together. Exactly the opposite is true. Love is a unifying factor, but not love among one another, not the love of the homosexual community, not the love that is put on signs and draped from windows and flags and the top of Starbucks building in South Seattle. That's not love. That's passion, unbridled passion. Love is God. And the closer we come to God and his principles, the more united we can be. The further from God we move, and the further from God's principles we move, the more ununited and chaotic we become. And that's where we are in America today. Hatred does not unite. In their hatred for Trump, the Democrat Party no longer stands for anything. They're willing to fall for anything. Socialism, no problem. New Green Deal, no problem. No borders, no problem. Anything goes as long as you can hate Trump and beat him. I'm not overstating this. I've never seen anything like it in my whole life. Hatred has hollowed out the Democrats, leaving behind nothing but a great empty void. I can't help but think of the poem. Hollow men. I don't know it from memory, but I've read it a lot of times, and I've mentioned it on this program. But that's what we see today. The party's soul has fed on poisonous hatred so long in hating this man that morning, morning may never come for the far-left progressives. President Trump responded this morning with a laugh. He said Michelle Obama's attacks, he said, were vicious. He said she's forgotten that Donald J. Trump would not be president of the United States if it were not for her husband, Barack. (laughs) Think about that for a while. Very interesting. Michelle Obama, some of her comments, and then I'll move on. She said, and like so many of you, this is just an excerpt from her words, Like so many of you, Brock and I have tried our best to instill in our girls a strong moral foundation to carry forward the values that our parents and grandparents poured into us. But right now, kids in this country are seeing what happens when we stop requiring empathy of one another. You can't require empathy. She needs to read her Bible. Empathy comes from the Lord. It is a virtue of God. Michelle said they're looking around wondering 
if we've been lying to them this whole time about who we are and what we truly value. I say this with great sensitivity, but honestly, if she and Brock have poured into their children what they believe, it has not worked out very well. And I say that with a broken heart. I mean that sincerely. But I've kind of followed their girls wherever there were news stories. And boy, I will tell you, they they have issues. And God help them. And I pray for the best for them. I do. But for her to make that statement, I, I don't think anyone will call her out publicly, nor should they. But boy, I'll tell you, that was that caught my attention. I'm an old youth pastor. Youth pastors never get over it. They're destined to be a youth pastor the rest of their life, whatever they do. I'll tell you, it's true. They they do. We do. It just you never get past being a youth pastor once you have been one, particularly if you've been in it for a while, and I I was. Michelle said they see people shouting in grocery stores, unwilling to wear a mask, speaking of our children, wear a mask to keep us all safe. They see people calling the police on folks minding their own business just because of the color of their skin. They see an entitlement that says only certain people belong here, that greed is good and winning is everything, because as long as you come out on top, it doesn't matter what happens to anyone else. And they see what happens when that lack of empathy is ginned up into outright disdain. To see our leaders labeling fellow citizens enemies of the state while emboldening torch-bearing white supremacists. They watch in horror as children are torn from their families and thrown into cages. And pepper spray and rubber bullets are used on peaceful protesters for a photo op. And on and on it goes. She talked about, and Bernie Sanders talked about last night, how that Donald Trump sent in federal troops to attack people who were peacefully protesting. That is a quote. You talk about deception. It's not only deception, but it's manipulation as well. Studies on concentration camps, on the prisoners in concentration camps in both the Korean War and the Vietnam War are chilling, to say the least. I've studied it. I'm not going to get into that too deeply this morning, but there's a lot to be said and learned from that. But brainwashing begins by assaulting a victim's identity. Message after message, lie after lie, the victim's sense of self becomes eroded with the accuser's whispers. (laughs) Who do you think you are? You're a horrible excuse for a soldier. John McCain talked about that, the late John McCain. He was a prisoner of war, as you know, in in, um, Vietnam, in Hanoi. They whisper, You were never fighting for a worthy cause in the first place. Everything you believed in is a lie. It's not true. There is no God. There are no fixed principles. And then after that comes the wave of guilt. Once your identity is torn down, then the accusers, those who would attempt to manipulate and brainwash, then they start assaulting their victim's identity with guilt. They smother them with guilt and shame and humiliation. That is a pattern. That is a parallel of how Satan works in an individual's life. I want to be very careful. I'm not suggesting that the progressive movement is satanic. But I want to be very direct 
boy, some of the signs are there. And Satan will destroy and mislead anyone whom he can, politically, spiritually, or otherwise. Never, ever forget that. Over the past few days, the radical left Democrats been dancing cheek to cheek with the media. They've been creating this new hysteria. I'm calling it the mailbox conspiracy. You must have heard that if you heard any news yesterday or even this morning. These guys are just going. They keep going. They keep going about these USPS mailboxes. They are saying that Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, is removing mailboxes so people can't mail in their ballot. They're saying that. Not once, but again and again and again. The issue has caught the attention of Nancy Pelosi. Yesterday, she announced that she's calling the House back from vacation. They call it recess. So it must be true. Even Joe Biden tweeted yesterday that it's true. Donald Trump is stealing, taking mailboxes, you know, those big blue mailboxes that we drop mail in, and they're, they're removing them so people can't vote. Truth is a funny thing. It's inconvenient often. Matt Visor with the Washington Post, he put out something yesterday. He was quoting Joe Biden, expressing his deep concern, his outrage over Donald Trump attempting to steal the election from him, Joe Biden, by stealing mailboxes. Matt Visor put out, he's a journalist with the Washington Post. He said, Joe Biden tonight on reports of the mailbox removal, said, I wonder if you're outside trying to hold down your mailboxes. They're going around literally with tractor trailers picking up mailboxes. You ought to go online and check this out. They're doing it. I mean, it's bizarre. Biden said, I wonder if they're trying to steal the mailboxes. Then they are stealing the mailbox. Nancy Pelosi says she's calling the members back into session from their August vacation recess. She says the mailbox issue is so important that the post office has become election central thanks to the coronavirus pandemic and Donald Trump. She says, alarmingly, I'm quoting her, across the nation, we see devastating effects of the president's campaign to sabotage the election by manipulating the postal service to disenfranchise voters. Those are her words yesterday. Pelosi is also urging Democrats to appear at their local post offices to protect mail-in ballots for the 2020 presidential election. Show up like like a vigilante, like a militia. Oh, but we don't believe in guns. But like a militia without guns. She's urging these Democrats to do this. Just show up at the post office and somehow kind of take over or co-opt. I don't know how you get behind the counter. I guess you just force your way in. I'm not sure how she wants that to happen. But she went on to slam the postmaster general uh, Louis DeJoy, uh, she called him a top, a, a top Trump a mega donor uh, who has, quote, proven a complicit crony as he continues to push for sweeping new operational changes that degrade postal service, delay the mail, and according to the postal service itself, threaten to deny the ability of eligible, eligible Americans to cast their vote through the mail in the upcoming election in a timely fashion. What he had done is express that he had concerns about America going from not having all mail-in votes to all of America having mail-in votes. He said the post office isn't even structured for that at this time. 
And then she added, this is why I'm calling upon the House to return to session later this week to vote on Oversight and Reform Committee Chairwoman's Maloney's delivering from the America Act, which prohibits the Postal Service from implementing any changes to operations or level of service it had in place on January 1, 2020. Well, first of all, DeJoy is a multi-multi-millionaire, and he made his money in delivering packages and stuff, and he's one of the smartest guys in the country. Yeah, he's a, he's a Trump supporter, just like George Soros is a Hillary and a Barack Obama and a Joe Biden supporter. Of course, he's a supporter, but he's a multimillionaire, and he understands the postal the whole postal complex because he's been in it. He made a fortune in shipping stuff and all that kind of thing. So that's why he was appointed to that in the first place. The mystery should be, why did he take it? Because he loves his country. He he has said repeatedly, "I, I don't need the money. I just want to try to help the postal service kind of move forward into the 21st century because it's outdated. I mean, the, the, the equipment they have is outdated by all accounts. I mean, they're the first to say that. So, so now so now Nancy's calling everybody in the House of Representatives back to D.C., breaking up their vacation because it is so critical that Donald Trump is stealing, stealing these mailboxes. She's calling all members of the House. She said, in an effort to save the Postal Service, to also participate in a day of action on Tuesday, today, she said yesterday. In other words, they're supposed to leave their homes and on their way back to D.C., I guess, they're supposed to stop by their post office and they're supposed to participate in a day of action by appearing at the post office in their districts and holding a press event. Man, I'm not making this up. This woman is the third most powerful woman in the government, a third most powerful person in the government. If Trump and Pence are gone, she's president of the United States. But let me tell you the truth about the mailboxes. This is just the truth. Verified multiple times. I spent a little time on this, but I didn't really have to. It's pretty apparent if you want the truth. In 2009, 2009, Michelle Obama, your husband, 2009, the Postmaster General proposed moving to a five-day-per-week mail delivery to cut costs. Remember that? They said no more deliveries on Saturday. Okay, we're going to cut costs. We're losing money. They're losing like billions of dollars. President Obama had been very, very critical. You can go back and read the, read some of his comments. I did. He'd been very, very critical of the USPS, the Postal Service, that year for failing to keep up with the private sector competitors. He said they're way outdated, blah, blah, blah. Didn't offer many solutions for them, but what he did was just berate them. That's what he did. I read, the, I read his words to refresh myself. I remember it, but I wanted to be sure. The Obama-Biden administration then considered and kind of floated the idea of closing nearly 3,700 post office locations that year, and they proposed cutting 12,000 postal worker jobs, 2009 into 2010. Well, President Trump came along after Obama, and he chose a different approach, and he demanded that a new, more favorable deal from Amazon Regarding the prices they're charging the U.S. Postal Service for delivering their packages, they have a contract with the Postal Service. One aspect of trying to save the USPS has been to remove low-volume 
mailboxes, boxes where a few people drop mail. It has a measurable cost saving for the Postal Service, and I don't have to go into it, but they've figured out how much it saves them to take out these mailboxes that are sitting in neighborhoods where nobody ever uses them. So they, they are doing this. But wait, this process began under the Obama-Biden administration. And Biden knows what he posted on Twitter is an absolute lie because he and o- Obama approved it. And they started pulling these, these mailboxes, these big blue mailboxes that we all know about. They started pulling those in 2009 and 10 and have continued. Trump didn't stop the process. He just left it alone. But they've been doing this for 11 years. And now all of a sudden, Nancy Pelosi is calling the the House of Representatives from all around the country. All these guys are on vacation and whatever. And she's calling them all back because it's so urgent and so critical. This is... This is a lie with a capital L. It doesn't matter, though. The end always justifies the means in the mind of the so-called progressive. We saw that message last night. I'm not defending Trump. Please understand. Trump wasn't even my first my first choice. He wasn't my second choice. I'll be honest with you. I've always been intrigued by him and his success, and I've read about him over the years. But he wasn't my first or second choice for president. I had two choices. Both were born-again believers, and I thought pretty good politicians. But they didn't win. And yet he has come from his world where nobody thought he would take such a stand for Christians, and he's taken this incredible stand for Christian values and Christian virtue. And Christians, unlike any previous administration, are in the Oval Office, leaders, pastors of the greatest churches in America, are in there praying for him, laying hands on this guy, because he asked them to. I don't understand all the dynamic of it, but I understand one thing, that there is a spiritual warfare that's going on in America, and I will tell you, I will tell you, this is way beyond politics. And Nancy Pelosi stands up and just lies. I mean, she lied. And Biden, I mean, maybe he doesn't remember, I don't know, but he lies. They just lie. Donald Trump, as I said, I'm not defending anybody. I'm just simply defending the truth. Donald Trump isn't hauling away mailboxes. If anybody's hauling them away, Obama and Biden are hauling them away because they started, I mean, they approved this particular project, just like they built the cages that Trump gets credit for. Don't be misled. Don't get discouraged, but Biden knows he lied. A lot of these people that are up there this week doing their thing, they know it's a lie. Kimberly Frum, a spokesperson for the post office, said that they cut more than $2 billion. They lost more than $2 billion in the last quarter. Post office, they have to do something to try to turn this around. But to avoid further confusion, excuse me, the USPS said they will conti- discontinue the practice until after the election. They've been doing it for 11 years. Said the real bottleneck in all of this election is in the state and local election officials who set arbitrary deadlines for postal postmarking ballots. They have to sort out millions more. Only five states have all mail-in voting. 
That's Colorado, Hawaii, Oregon, Washington, Utah. The rest are not set up for it. Hey, thanks for being with me today. I'll see you right here tomorrow.